Okay? Good, good. It's lovely to be back, having uh, had last Sunday uh, away. We were away as a family just for a few days, get a bit of a, a break, which was uh, lovely. For us living in Dorset at the moment, uh, our half term was not this week, just gone, but the week before. So we were at the end of our half term, the end of la- uh, last week. week, la- uh, week oh, wow, wow. Let's not worry about it. <laughs> but uh, we had a lovely time away, thank you. And, uh, but do you know what? It's so good to be back. Uh, as I came in and I started talking with people, I just thought, oh, so good to be with the family. And uh, so appreciate the, this church and this just being part of this family. It's just absolutely lovely. It's wonderful. And uh, uh, being here this morning, hearing stories of what happened last week, uh, cats away, mice play, something like that. But it sounded great. Um, and uh, uh, well done. Keep on pressing into God. And just as uh, that word which Mark brought and just how we respond to that. You know, there's so much the Spirit of God is wanting to do amongst us. And uh, it's so important we make space for him uh, very intentionally and just allow him to minister to us uh, and empower us and equip us for all that he's called us to be as well as to do. And, uh, uh, you know, my prayer is that we'll continue as I preach this morning, as I bring God's word to us this morning, that uh, actually we'll just be very aware of what the Holy Spirit's doing. And uh, interestingly, uh, we're actually just starting a series now, five weeks, next five Sundays, we're going to be looking at uh, aspects of who the Holy Spirit is. And as part of that, we're going to be wanting to make lots of space to encounter him and to spend time with him. Uh, This week, uh, where we're going to be starting is, uh, I'm very aware that uh, there can be a lack of clarity of understanding over our theology of the Holy Spirit, who the Holy Spirit is, what he does. And so this week, we're going to Uh, be very much just taking a step back and trying to look at the big picture and understand something of the nature and the work of the Holy Spirit. And uh, uh, we're doing this because we're on a journey as a church. You're going to get so fed up of me reiterating this, but I'm going to say it again because we always have guests amongst us and it's really important that we all know where we're going together. And, you know, we're on a journey as a church and We've, we've, we've tried to define some of that journey. We feel there's four key parts to the journey. The first is every journey starts with a goodbye. And uh, you know, we can't take everything with us, no matter how, whether it's good or bad, we can't take everything with us. And so we'll have to work out what comes on the journey with us. And uh, particularly, I think we can always think, you know, it's the bad things we want to leave behind, and that's great. Leaving the bad things behind can be good, so long as it's done well. We don't just forget things because, actually, if we think we've left them behind and we're just trying to forget things, then often they can fester. You know, if you stick something in the ground, it rots, and once it rots, it makes a smell. No, we, we deal with things. We deal with the past, and then we move on. Um, but also, we'll leave some good things behind. Good things because, while they've been great for a season... Maybe this next season ahead will look different. And the death knell of the church is we've always done it that way and we can't change. And we want to be a people who follow what the Spirit of God's doing and we embrace change, recognizing that change is costly, recognizing that change uh, can be challenging. Uh, Some of us will love change, others of us will hate change. 
Uh, some of us will be changed junkies. Others of us will go over my dead body. And uh, hopefully that won't be the case. Uh, but actually, change is important. Because if we're going on a journey, then things will change. The second part of the journey is we need to know what the vehicle looks like for the journey. Having an appropriate vehicle. What are our family ways? How are we going to do things in the future? We're going to particularly be talking about that in the autumn this year. Um, Then there'll be key decisions on the journey. Every time I uh, drive up here, because for those of you who don't know me yet, I currently live in Bournemouth. We're waiting for our boys to finish their GCSEs and day-level year. They've got a full year this year. Um, And uh, we will be moving in the summer. And uh, so we commute at the moment. And uh, do you know, on some days, the sat-nav will go, don't go that way. I had one the other day. It came up and said, there were big red crosses all the way down that section of road I was meant to be driving. And it was like, okay, I have a choice here. Do I take the prompt from the sat-nav and not go down the M27 and up the M3 and go via Salisbury, which may not seem the most obvious route, Or do I do my own thing? I'm so glad I followed the prompt of the sat-nav because as I turned off and it only just flashed up literally as I was going past the Salisbury turning at Ringwood, there was a radio announcement 30 seconds later. M27 closed. Two-hour tailback. Two-hour tailback. Man, I was glad I turned off at Salisbury. And you know... We will have big decisions we make on the journey, and sometimes they may not feel very comfortable. But the crucial thing is we stay good-hearted and we follow the lead of the Spirit of God, and then we'll be okay. And, of course, every journey has a destination, and the destination will define, actually, the vehicle we need. It will define the route we take. It will define some of the things we say goodbye to, as well as some of the things we take with us on the journey. And that destination for us as a church, we're using three words to describe it. We're using these words. Disciples, that is we want to be people who follow Jesus. That's about being first, but out of the being comes doing. And that includes helping people to become followers of Jesus. That's what the word disciple means, follower of Jesus. Because he leads us to the Father. And that changes everything brings us back into relationship with Almighty God. We want a second word. We want to be people of the Spirit. People who walk with his Holy Spirit. And that's where we're starting this week. A five-week series looking at what it means to be a people of the Spirit. And we want to be a people who advance his kingdom. That's the third word, kingdom. Because actually we're called to see God's kingdom come on earth and that's not the keenies are called that's not the elders are called that's we are called together as a body on a journey together to see the kingdom of god come here in alton we're not talking about here on a sunday that's great we want to see aspects of the kingdom come on a sunday but actually our workplace in our streets 
in our homes, in our schools, in our colleges, at the school gate, in the local corner shop, in Tesco's or Aldi or wherever else you happen to go, knowing that we are the people who can bring the kingdom. And the kingdom changes everything in people's lives as they see the kingdom come. We'll come on to that in the summer term after Easter, looking at what kingdom, what we mean by kingdom. But for this week, so we're starting a five-week series looking at spirit. And of course, if we're going to be talking about walking with the spirit, as I've already suggested, first of all, we need to be clear what we mean by the Holy Spirit, who we're referring to. And so, unusually this morning, actually, I'm going to read five passages of scripture, not one. And the reason for this is just to try and help us get a big picture view from Scripture of who the Holy Spirit is and what he does. And then we'll unpackage this. You're welcome to try and look them up as we go, but to be frank, it may be easier just to listen. And you can always get the download and get the the references from the download off the website afterwards. So Genesis 1, 1 and 2, you know, that's a great place to start. Genesis, book of beginnings. In the beginning, verse 1, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. So please, there's lots we can draw from all these things. And I'll I'll make a few observations as we go because I just love teaching Scripture. And uh, I'll I'll, I'll try and restrain myself a little and we'll get into the Word in a moment. But uh, I just want to say the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. So I think some people think the Spirit of God was only around after Acts. Okay? The Spirit of God is part of the Trinity. As we're going to read, verse 26 and verse 27 says this, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, in our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, over the livestock, over all the earth and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female. He created them. You see, there's three parts to God. This weird thing called the Holy Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Some of us in our childhood may have had him referred to as the Holy Ghost. Uh, I went to an Anglican church when I was very young, and he was referred to as the Holy Ghost. The word is spirit. Okay? I think ghost is not a helpful word because it tends to suggest something very weird. And he's not weird. He's part of the Godhead. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. By the way, he's a he. He's not an it. He's not a force. He's a he. He's a person. He's somebody who we can relate with. Somebody who wants to come and dwell in us. Not an it. Can I encourage us? Let's change our language. Maybe this is something you've got to leave behind. Let's start getting rid of this concept of it. the Holy Spirit. He's he. And he's someone we can know and someone that we can relate with and he's part of the Holy Trinity. Three parts of God all in one. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Now if you then move right the way towards the latter part of the Old Testament where we will see the work of the Holy Spirit at various times where he comes on individuals part Uh, For various things, for prophecy, for empowering for situations, you get to Joel 2.28.30, which says this. Joel was one of the prophets. 
And afterwards, and uh, the context of this is about a restoration of God and the people of God. And afterwards, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. I'll let you work out whether you're a son or a daughter, an old man or a young man. But in one of those, we will all come, into, in, uh, come under one of those definitions. Prophesy, dreams, visions, even on my servants, both men and women. In other words, everyone. I will pour out my spirit in those days. I will show wonders in the heavens and on the earth. Now, this, this sounds a bit weird, but just trust me on it. Blood, fire, and billows of smoke. We're not going to try and unpackage that one now. But the point is, God prophetically stirring his people, preparing them for an expectation that as Jesus comes, a mankind is reconciled to the Father through Jesus' death on the cross Something else is going to happen. I will pour out my spirit on all people. That's not got an exclusion. Okay, all the people of God. Now then we come into John. And Jesus talks about the Holy Spirit in John 14, verses 15 to 18. He says this, if you love me, you will obey what I command. That's Jesus talking to us. If we love him, we will obey what he commands. And I will ask the Father... And you see, here we're getting a glimpse of this Trinitarian relationship. The Son asks the Father, equally God, yet there's submission, there's authority, there's accountability in the Trinity, there's leadership in the Trinity. I will ask the Father and he will give you another counsellor to be with you. The Spirit of truth, or the Holy Spirit. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. What he's saying is, I'm not going to uh, abandon you. Jesus is saying, I'm not going to abandon you when I go back to heaven, when he ascends to heaven, having been crucified. I'm going to celebrate that soon at Easter. He's not going to leave us. No, he's going to send his Holy Spirit to be with us. That we don't need to be orphans. We don't need to be left alone. But we can have an intimate relationship with holy God. Through his spirit who's going to be sent to earth. And then of course we read in Acts uh, chapter 1. Jesus says of this, verse 4 and 5. On one occasion while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised. Which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days... You will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And then in Acts 2, the first couple of verses of Acts 2, it says this. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. This is the disciples. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they, where they were sitting. Wow, can you imagine that? It's been windy. I don't know how windy it's been up here. We, we live right on the coast. Man, has it been windy. We shut all our windows and you can still feel the wind come through them. It's windy. And when it's windy, man, do you know when it's windy? You get that whistling sort of sound of the wind ripping around. You can feel the tiles sometimes 
Well, Emma and I are on the top floor and uh, in the roof space, and you can hear the tiles grating against each other as the wind catches them. And there's a bang sometimes as the wind, suddenly a strong gust hits the gable at the front of our house. You, woof! Wow! This isn't a destructive wind, but it's a powerful wind of God's Spirit. When He comes and moves, you know it. They saw what seemed to be like tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on them. However that works. Wouldn't that be a scary situation? And yet awesome. Genuinely awesome. Looking on God in awe situation. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. We'll come on to tongues in week five as we'll look at gifts of the Spirit and, 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 and how those are appropriate for us today. So I hope those passages just help us start to think about who is the Holy Spirit. I've just drawn a few bits out of there. Let me now just uh, bring a bit, bit, bit of teaching onto that. So as I've said already, he's part of the Godhead, what we call the Trinity, the Holy Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. All equally God, yet distinct in role and purpose. All clearly with power and authority, yet in submission under the Father. Working together. He's involved in the creation of the world and the creation of mankind. And he's a person. He's not a force. He's a he, not an it. If you think of him as an it, you'll often think of him as a tap you can turn on, perhaps. Something you can turn on or turn off. Or a force. For the, perhaps the, uh, my generation and younger, maybe you think, when you think Holy Spirit, you think Star Wars, the force be with you. No, it's not a force. He's not a force. He has power, yes. But he's a he. If you think he, then you think relationship. He's someone we're called to know. We're someone we're called to have a relationship with. He's also, though, holy. He's referred to as the Holy Spirit. He's not just referred to as the Spirit. He's holy. And there's something, uh, obviously, the Godhead are holy. Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, they're all holy, but... It seems that the Holy Spirit particularly brings conviction of sin and righteousness. He gets involved in our salvation. Now, I'm going to mention a lot of Bible verses which support these statements I'm going to be making. If you're taking notes, feel free to do that. I'm not going to be reading each of them now just because of time. John 16, verse 8, uh, shows us how he is holy. He brings us a conviction of sin and righteousness. So actually, as he's dwelling in us, if we do things wrong, he will stir us. He will convict us of sin and say, hey, come on, get that sorted. That's not good. But he doesn't condemn. Satan condemns. Condemnation says, you filthy, rotten scoundrel. You're no good. And condemnation looks to separate us from the Father's love and tells us we're no good and alienates us. And that's Satan's work. But the Holy Spirit draws us to the Father And reminds us that there's grace, that there's forgiveness, 
that there's intimacy and he calls and draws us into relationship with the Father. He desires to live inside every believer. We're told in 1 Corinthians 6, 9 how the body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Wow! Temple, temple. what do you mean by that? The dwelling place, where the Holy Spirit can dwell. Wow! He wants to live inside of us. He wants to come and take hold of our lives. Can I just highlight? He's holy, though. If the temple gets really filthy, you may find the Holy Spirit decides to move out for a time. It's not that that's permanent. Repentance allows us to come back and say, oh, please fill me afresh with your Holy Spirit. He's a Holy Spirit. So if we're up to all sorts of stuff which isn't holy, and you're thinking, why am I not filled with the Holy Spirit? The maths, I would suggest, is quite simple. Sort out the issues and welcome him back. Ask for him to come back. Repent. Turn away from sin. He's the helper. This is wonderful. He's the helper. He's the counsellor. He's the helper. The Greek word is paraclete. Literally, it means one who comes alongside. Now, I think I may have done this before, but I'm going to embarrass somebody. I'm going to embarrass Jay. Stand up a moment, Jay. Okay. This, I want you to imagine, Jay is the Holy Spirit. Okay? Good man. Promotion. Promotion. And if I'm over here, Jay is the one who comes alongside he comes alongside and that's it. He grabs hold of me and he wants to lead me through life. And he's going to actually direct my life. That's what he wants to do. He wants to come and direct my life. He wants to lead me in paths of righteousness. He wants to help me see where there's barriers and obstacles like the stage so I don't fall in life, so I don't get uh, caught up with sin and shame. He wants to help me to gaze on the Father of God, to see Almighty God, to know the Father in an intimate, personal way, to know the Father's love and the security which the Father's love brings. He's the one who comes alongside. He's the paraclete. He's the helper for our lives. Jay, thank you so much. Bless you. you. Does that make sense? He is the fulfillment of those prophetic words that we have in Joel 2. That is the Holy Spirit. Interestingly, we also see, though, that when Jesus is baptized, what happens? The Holy Spirit comes and falls on Jesus. It seems like there's a, a, an encounter, a filling. We don't know scripture. It doesn't explain what happens. But that the Spirit of God falls on the Son of God. Wow. And I look at that and think, well, if Jesus needed it, and that was the Son of God. If Jesus needs the, an encounter with the Spirit, however that works, man, boy, do I. Because I know I'm an adopted son of the Father. But I'm not Almighty God. Jesus was. And yet he needed the Spirit to lead him and guide him. To help him. He has an encounter with the Spirit. Man, do I need an encounter with the Spirit so much more.
So that's something, uh, yeah, all of those things we could spend a, a Sunday preaching on every single one of those points. We could spend a series preaching on every one of those points. They're just some headlines. Let's talk about what does he do? Well, he comes to baptize us. That is to immerse us. The word baptism, in case you're unsure, most of you have either been baptized or seen a baptism here. There's a big tank there which we fill with water. When we baptize somebody, they get wet. They don't just get a little bit wet. They don't get a little bit of water on their forehead or a sprinkling on their hair. They get soaking wet. They get immersed. In one sense, they're never going to be the same again because they got wet. Now, we know they get dry, and in that sense, they go back to the old state of being dry. But actually, it's symbolic. That baptism is symbolic of what's happened, a new life, a new beginning. The old washed away, the, the grave going down into a grave and coming back up. A new person. But when you're baptized with the Holy Spirit, it's an immersion it's, it's life-changing. It's life-shaping. It's life-defining. He comes to baptize us. We're going to unpackage that much, much more next week. You know, this, you, you can feel almost this is a, uh, a frustrating preach because I keep, I'm going to keep on saying, we'll cover that next week or in two weeks' time or three weeks' time or four weeks' time. That's because we want to take time to unpackage this. But next week, Anthony is going to help us just to understand what it means to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And then we're going to be praying for people to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. He also comes to fill us. Now, you may say, well, hang on, what's the, di- what, what's, what's the difference here? Uh, we are ongoing. We go on being filled with the Holy Spirit. And we're going to unpackage that on another occasion. And Christine's going to help us in some of that. And uh, uh, week four, is that right? Yeah, week four. And uh, uh, he'll... In this, though, he will affirm who we are in Christ. He will affirm our sonship. I've unpackaged that before, and again, we'll probably unpackage a bit more of that next week. But Romans 8, 14, Galatians 4, talks about the spirit of sonship, by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. It's like he draws us closer to understanding that we are genuinely children of God and to know the Father as a father, as daddy. In so doing, he creates that deep sense of security from which we can live out the life we're called to live. Assured of the Father's love, that we can take faith, we can go on a faith adventure, trusting, knowing that God is for us and that he'll never leave us nor forsake us because we have that intimacy with the Father. Can I just say, I think this is massive. Some people would say, well, what's the hallmark of somebody who's been baptized with the Holy Spirit? Is it they can speak in tongues? Is it that they can pray for the sick and the sick get healed? Is it that they're producing the fruit of the Spirit, that they're uh, people who love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, and a couple of others I've forgotten? I would suggest this. The hallmark for me, as somebody who has been baptized in the Spirit, I believe is this, that they are secure in the love of God. They know that they're a child of Almighty God. They know that's their, as it were, their status, where standing before God is just that. And all that goes with that, forgiven of their sin, 
brought into a real, living, vibrant relationship with Almighty God because that is what we can each and every one of us can know. It's not about gifts. It's not about power. That comes. There are the outworkings of being filled with the Holy Spirit. But actually, the life-changing thing of being filled with the Holy Spirit is that deep sense of, hey, Daddy, wow, I'm loved by Almighty God. I'm secure in the love of the Father. I'm a child of God. I'm a son. I'm a daughter of Almighty God. How precious that is. Everything changes at that point. But he does come to give us power. Acts 1.8. But it's not just any old power. It's power which comes out of love. 1 Corinthians 13 says we can have all the gifts of the Spirit, but if we have not got love, we've got zit. Nothing. And it's really important that we understand that actually power without love doesn't work. It will damage, it will hurt, it will corrupt. No. And that's why we need to first of all know that love of God, that, that sonship But also, as we read in John, uh, John 16, uh, he'll guide us in right living, in truth and right living. That's part of what the Holy Spirit does. He comes alongside us. Thank you, Jay, again, for uh, joining me on that little journey, for guiding me. He guides us. He comes alongside us as the paraclete who'll guide us in how to live rightly, righteously. That's what righteous means, is how to live rightly. I know it's not good English, but maybe you'll remember it for that reason. How to live rightly. He's involved in that. He helps us. He helps us to see sin. He helps us see temptation to sin. He helps us to draw close to the Father, to know the Father's love, to delight in the Father, to worship the Father, to enjoy the Father's grace and mercy over our lives. He guides us in truth. He opens up what it means when we worship, when we read the word. He brings truth to life in us. He also, though, is involved in what's called our sanctification. That is the ongoing process of making us more holy. That is that, you know, because actually we all know, well, I hope we all recognize this. You may be a guest here and you may not know this. You know, Christians get things wrong. I know it's shocking and it shouldn't be allowed and there ought to be a law against it and a few other things like that, but actually... Christians get things wrong. Man alive. You don't look convinced of that. I don't know about you, I find that quite releasing. Knowing that actually I will get things wrong. And that when I do, there's grace. There's the grace of God is available. Now that doesn't mean that I then go and exploit grace and say, well, if I can do everything I want because grace covers it, which technically is true. No, I want to live out my relationship with the Father and bring delight and pleasure to him. So I don't want to sin, but when I do, there is grace. There's the grace of God. But in this whole process, the Holy Spirit will shape us and mold us and help us to deal with sin and then avoid it in the future. He'll help us to see where there's temptation. So he's involved in this process of sanctification And part of that is he produces fruit in us. I've referred to the fruit of spirit already. Galatians 5, 22, 23. Fruit 
which looks completely different if you were to read the preceding verses to the fruit of the world. Anger, lust, envy, things like that. No, he produces love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control in us. Man, there isn't that much of that anywhere else in the world. The thing is, sometimes it can be lacking in us too. But that's what he wants to do. He wants to produce this fruit. It's not lots of different fruits, by the way. It's one fruit. The whole lot comes together. And then, it, not in that, he gives us gifts. Wow. I mean, if the Holy Spirit wasn't enough of a gift, he gives us gifts. And you can read about that in 1 Corinthians 12, Romans 12, uh, 1 Corinthians 14, various parts, uh, particularly in, in, in uh, uh, the epistles, the, the letters after Acts. Uh, and what are they there for? They're there to strengthen us. They're there to strengthen us as a church. That's the body of believers. It's not the building. This is the body of believers. That's us and the church corporate because we're just one church of many churches in this town and of thousands of churches in the UK and of millions of churches in the world. But he gives us these gifts for strengthening the church in order to demonstrate to the lost that the kingdom of God has come. To strengthen us so that we can demonstrate the kingdom has come. And the kingdom coming looks different in all sorts of different ways, but that can be about bringing the justice of God, that can be about signs and wonders, that can be about all sorts of different things which demonstrate the kingdom. Ultimately, salvation, healing, blind seeing, those, those are very clear hallmarks, but actually also we can bring the kingdom in our workplace by looking to bring love and justice and goodness and to stand up for the oppressed and the poor and the needy and the sick. We can bring the kingdom in a whole wide range of ways. We'll be looking at that, as I've already talked about, in the autumn. Oh, sorry, in... Sorry, in the summer after Easter. By the way, just to say, gifts are not a sign of maturity. They're a sign of God's grace. And they're available to everyone. Okay? They're available to everyone. There's no qualification. Outside of being a believer, there are no qualifications to receive gifts from the Holy Spirit. We'll look at that in week five. Wow. The Holy Spirit's amazing. Isn't he incredible? Isn't he incredible for who he is, but also what he does? And do you know what it's like? We've just scratched the surface. We haven't even just looked at the top of the iceberg. Maybe we've scratched the top of the iceberg. Because there's so, so much more. And actually, ultimately, we just need to know him. We need to be a people who welcome him into our lives, who know him and enjoy him. Now, sometimes people may say, well, it feels like the Holy Spirit's just about being nice. It's about making me feel nice, making me feel good. But he's not. He's here to empower and equip us for mission too. To empower us to bring the kingdom of God. And I just want to bring three examples 
which I'm hoping will stir some things in some of us. I'm hoping they may even be prophetic. Maybe they're words for certain people in this room this morning of how the Holy Spirit wants to work in our lives. They are only three examples of what could be a very, very, very long list. The first one's this. In affirming who we are and drawing us into relationship with the Father, we will find security, a deep sense of security, and with that come boldness. Boldness and courage to go and tell. And I feel for some of us, that's what the Holy Spirit's even wanting to do this morning. Because you've already been filled with the Holy Spirit. You've already had your encounter. You've been baptized with the Spirit. You're going on being filled with the Holy Spirit. But he's wanting to bring a clarity, a deep down sense of security. And out of that, you will find the boldness and courage to go and tell. I feel the word would be you're looking for the boldness and courage and you say, why can't I be like that? And yet you've not got the intimacy And the Holy Spirit's saying, get the intimacy. Out of intimacy comes boldness and courage. The second one is this. that The gifts of the Spirit exist to strengthen us to go and demonstrate the power of God and the presence of the kingdom so that uh, the lost get to meet God and are saved, to be able to pray for the sick, to be able to proclaim favour and the love of God. And I feel there are people in this room this morning who would be going you know I so want to be able to see the sick get healed but I, I can't do it I've tried and I can't do it and I feel the, the Lord would want to say know me more delight yourself in me more get to know my spirit more and then follow the lead of my spirit. Pray for those that my spirit stirs you to pray for. And I I feel there's an impartation of compassion for the sick and hurting which will come with that. And maybe that's you this morning. (laughs) I I I know I want to pray for the poor, uh, for the, the sick. But I can't do it. And God's saying, hey, it starts with a deep relationship with the Holy Spirit of God. And then the third thing is, we need to understand that truth, the truth of the Spirit, the, that a relationship with the Spirit will result in confidence in God and in, and in his purposes to enable us to live lives of obedience. And I feel there's some in this room where you're going, I'm trying to be, I'm trying to be a Christian, I'm trying to be obedient, but I can't make it work. And you've not yet received the Spirit. You've not been baptized in the Spirit. You're not, you've not built that relationship with the Spirit. And, and, and the Father's saying, come. Come and be baptized in my Spirit. And I will help you. I will help you to live this stuff out. You've not got to do it by yourself. It's not a call to independence. It's a call to dependence. And for some of us, we need to move to that place away from independence to dependence on God and his spirit. All of us do in one degree or another. And interdependence with one another. 
Okay, well, we're going to bring things to a conclusion at this point. If we can have that slide up. You may be saying, Andrew, that's great. How can I know him today? Well, the reality is this. We're not going to pray for anyone to be baptized in the Holy Spirit this morning. You may think, what? What do you mean? You've just built a whole picture about who the Holy Spirit is. You're saying you're not going to pray for anyone to be baptized in the Holy Spirit this morning? Yeah. Why? Because sometimes it's good to stop and pause and really work out what we're doing and why we're doing it. And all the life groups have got these verses, so if you're part of a life group, you can, and if you're not, you're always welcome to go to one. There's a leaflet available. You can pick up details of this. I'd like to encourage you this week, if you've not been baptized in the Holy Spirit, or your relationship with the Holy Spirit has not been good in this last season, spend time reading these passages and meditating on what they say and allowing faith to stir and to grow in your heart and a sense of expectation. Because next Sunday, we will be praying for people to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. But you know, it's not a bad thing to let hunger grow for a time. We live in a world where we just go for satisfaction, instant satisfaction. As soon as we're hungry, we seem to be eating. Rather than letting a genuine hunger grow. And I feel for some of us, there is a genuine hunger God wants to grow in us this week for an encounter with the Holy Spirit next Sunday. Okay? What we are going to do, though, is as we finish our meeting now, we are going to say this. If you would like prayer for anything other than that, of baptism in the Spirit, maybe because something has stirred in you, maybe because... Actually, as we were talking about the peace of God, you were thinking, I can't get peace, and I need peace. I know this is for me. Then we would love to pray with you. If, you'd love, if you're looking for healing, we'd love to pray with you. If you want to come and know Jesus today, we would love to help you on that journey or give you some materials you can go and read to help you on that journey. So we're going to bring our meeting to a conclusion at this point. Refreshments will be served through the doors over that side in Cafe Rafters. But if you'd like prayer, please make your way to the front as we conclude this morning. Prayer team, please be available. Even if you want to start heading out now, that would be great prayer team. We've just got folks who are here who want to pray with you. But we're otherwise going to conclude our time together this morning. So, Father, we want to say thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your grace. Thank you, Father. You have given us your Holy Spirit to draw us closer to you. To know that deep inner security of being loved children. We thank you for what you're doing amongst us, for this journey you're taking us on. We're thrilled by your goodness and grace. I pray help us this week to consider all that your Holy Spirit is, all that he does. To come hungry and thirsty next week for a mighty encounter with your Holy Spirit. And bless our time of fellowship now together. Help us to support and encourage and help one another. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you.